for me, you know, it was just really trying to, um, I don't know, find a place that fit, you know, fit in my soul and just, um, you know, being close to the forests and the rivers and streams and stuff like that was, that was one thing that I really needed. Thanks for dropping by. This is Measured Voices, serving up conversation and music with songwriters from around Idaho's Treasure Valley. I'm Walt Huntsman. In episode 33, I sit down with songwriter Connor J. Lease, a relative newcomer, but old soul. We'll talk influences, storytelling, Connor's roundabout musical journey, trying to capture Idaho's essence in song, and being born in the wrong time. It's all next on Measured Voices. On your business card, you describe your music as Americana grit seasoned with campfire smoke. Explain for people who aren't familiar with your music what you mean by that. Oh man, well that was that was like when I was first kind of starting. I feel like the music's changed a little bit since then, but I think at its root, um, I'm always kind of struggling to figure out the genre of music that I'm playing. And Americana just kind of has always seemed like this umbrella term that kind of fits. Because it's not quite bluegrass, it's not quite folk and country, but um, in terms of the the campfire part, I mean that's just that's just the tradition that I've been that I I guess have been playing for since I really started. Um, I've been playing seriously for probably three or four years, but uh, I didn't really actually get serious into it uh, until I started kind of going up into the mountains and getting away from the city and. You know, every once in a while, you know, pull out the guitar with people and stuff during camping trips. But um, this, it was something that kind of became more like, no, this is like a weekly thing. Um, I'm going to go up there and write music and just kind of really, really like immerse myself in kind of that, that the wilderness and kind of form the songwriting around that. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of became, for me, kind of its own little genre of capturing, you know, the wilderness and the woods and things like that. And, and Americana is one of those kind of genres, one of the few genres that seems to encompass so many different exactly. styles of music that yeah. perhaps should all have their own genre if we're, if we're going to insist on having a genre. <laughs> um, who, who, would, who would you say your music is geared toward? Uh, I mean, like in terms of an audience? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know. I've, I've, you know, I can be honest, like the, the best reaction to my music that I've ever had have been kind of the the small town saloons and bars that, you know, um, I guess they would, they would call it country. Like I've, I've had people come up to me after shows and be like, Oh, like, you know, that's old time country. And, you know, I think, I feel like that's a part of kind of the the music and it's, Mm -hmm. it may not be like the full thing, but it's definitely kind of the, um, definitely the best reception I've got to like live shows and stuff. And, um, so I don't know, I guess that's kind of more like country bar, um, yeah, country bar and kind of just old time saloon style, which is I, I try to find places like that to play the most. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's there's kind of something for everybody, I guess. You know, there's some I write a couple love songs or a couple folk songs or some bluegrass numbers. But um, for the most part, it's just people who like. I would say that you know people who like um, just kind of old time roots music, things that are steeped in old tradition, and uh, people who like to listen to stories. You mentioned old, you mentioned old time country music and and as I remember old time country music, it is a style that really doesn't exist today mm-hmm. outside of 
what I guess might be considered roots music now, a lot of it. Do you feel like you're, uh, did you feel a calling to, to help try to bring back some of that? Uh, or or how did you gravitate toward that style? I think it kind of gravitated, or it kind of pulled me into it itself. Um, I've, I never really seeked out country music and I still like, if it sounds weird to really call what I play country, but I know there's definitely different elements to it, um, that kind of find its way in my music. But, um, I don't know, like I, I, I mean, to kind of as a backstory, like the first kind of Americana music I really listened to was like folk and bluegrass. And that's really what kind of gave me my foundation. And then it wasn't until I just started discovering some old time country music and then some newer, um, some newer artists who kind of blend the storytelling with the old country. And, um, that just really appealed to me. They, the, especially the stories, um, and uh, I don't know, it just kind of, I've always been trying to find ways to like a genre that kind of encompasses like stories of about miners or stories about, you know, logging history in Idaho or, um, or just the pioneer days, you know, life on the prairie and things like that. And old time country, there's definitely, I've definitely listened to songs and have heard lyric that, you know, um, kind of embody that a little bit. If if I remember correctly, and correct correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think you told me once that you came here from uh, California. Mm-hmm. So how does somebody from California, which you know, has, I mean, there is a California sound, or at least there used to be sort of the Beach Boys and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, how does somebody from California uh, gravitate or develop a sound a sound like yours? It's it's really difficult. I that's one thing I I really refrain from telling people um because i mean right off the bat people have their own biases and stuff and i've growing up like i never felt like the california lifestyle was mine um it was something that what really shaped me growing up was you know my family and i or my dad and i doing road trips um to like mining towns in idaho or nevada or montana or wyoming um just mainly across the northwest and uh i don't know that was always kind of a, a culture that stuck with me and I've always been more a fan of the mountains and the rugged West than I have of, you know, the beaches and, and that scene. And, uh, I want to know, I, once I, once I had an opportunity to get out, I took it and, you know, it's, it's, it was a good, you know, it was a good place to, to grow up, but it's not somewhere that I feel like I belonged to, you know, and I feel like a lot of people search for kind of a, uh, an attachment to where they're from or where they want to be from. And I feel like I found it in Idaho and um, have really embraced it ever since. So what was it about uh, Boise or, or the Treasure Valley that um, made you decide this was the place for you at this at this point in your life? <laughs> well, I mean, in all honesty, it was it, it was college at first. Um, you know, that's that was ultimately what brought me here. I was looking at Boise and then two other uh, – campuses in, in Montana and just with the ultimate goal of just trying to get out of California and just finding somewhere that was, you know, it had the recreation and it had, um, I, I wasn't even thinking music at this time, but, um, you know, somewhere that just kind of had that kind of just that rugged atmosphere, I guess. And, you know, Boise, it's not quite that rugged, but you can, it's easy to get out within a few miles and find those kind of places. And, um, for me, you know, it was just, really trying to, um, I don't know, find a place that fit, you know, fit in my soul and just, um, you know, being close to the forests and the rivers and streams and stuff like that was, that was one thing that I really needed. Um, 
and I felt like I found it with, with Boise and I found it with the surrounding areas. Um, you know, and it's cool that you can go find, you know, or like one of the songs I've written about was about the, the Oahis and, you know, the desert. And that's two hours away from the mountains that I like to write about and stuff. And it's just cool that it's, you know, everything is so, you know, centric to the Treasure Valley. You can go find whatever you want. So I think the Oahis have inspired a number of Idaho songwriters. I know um, I even started writing a song thinking about a drive that I was going to take that was going to have an extended view of the Oasis as I yeah. was driving. So, um, now your business card also says you'll play for bourbon and cornbread and I don't have either one, <laughs> but, uh, I think this, this would probably be a good point to, uh, to share one of your songs. If you, uh, yeah. you tell us about uh, the first song we're going to hear. Um, yeah, I think, let's see, I'm trying to think of what would be a good one to, to play there. Um, I can probably do hobo blues. I think that that encompasses cornbread and, and bourbon pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, can, how did that song come about? Um, it's actually a song that I I, I really like the harmony of. Uh, it was a Merle Haggard song that I really liked, um, or the melody, I guess, of. And um, I was just kind of thinking about lyrics one day, and I started thinking about uh, my great-grandpa, who was um, a train conductor in, from the 40s and 40s and 50s, and you know, I only know I only knew him for a short amount of time. Um, he passed away, and I was probably like seven or eight, so you know, relatively short. Um, but he was kind of this, this you know, just this crazy personality in my life, and um, or very ins- I guess inspirational personality in my life. And uh, whether it was the trains or he didn't drink bourbon or anything like that, but um, just kind of his 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 lifestyle. He was kind of a cowboy and. And, uh, yeah, owned horses and had, you know, like I wear his bandana everywhere I go and her at shows and things. And, um, I don't know. I just always remember loving the stories that I would hear from my great grandma who's still alive, uh, to this day. And, um, hearing just some of the stories that he, she would tell about, you know, his life on the, on the railroad and, um, some of the trouble he would get into, he'd get into a lot of, a lot of trouble. <laughs> there's a, there's a line in this, in the song, um, Picking peaches in a stranger's grove that is based on one of his little shenanigans that he got into where, uh, from what I remember, my grandma was saying that he had parked the train somewhere, some, you know, some valley or some canyon and uh, just parked it to, you know, get off and have a nap and stuff. And he went off venturing into um, this this farmer's orchard. And I believe they were grapefruits. So, <laughs> you know, a little different lyrically, but um, yeah, he went off and picked a few grapefruits and then, you know, kind of fell asleep under one of the trees and actually woke up to the farmer beating him with a club. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he, he had to get back on the train pretty quick and got it going. But, uh, yeah, just little stories like that that would stick with me about, you know, just some of his quirks and his personality. And, um, yeah, I don't know, it just stuck with me. And so that's a song. It's a song about riding trains, and I kind of threw in my own little element of drinking old crow and bourbon and stuff on that but uh yeah it's a it's a good little fun little number to play all right so we will listen to hobo blues well now here we come 
come on riding these rails And I don't really care what day it hails Got my bindle sick and my burlap sacks for shoes See, I take this freight wherever it goes And I don't need nothing but a bottle of crow And this old guitar to sing these hobo blues Pages in some stranger's grove and leave a town sword bed under my coat. I'm concerned about the likes of you. No, I'll get by just a jumping trains and I ain't too concerned about jobs and things. Yeah, I'm just a hobo and these are my damn blues. Come on out. Here, take mine, don't call me a sinner That ain't my job Listen up now, son This here's my sermon for you No, a man don't need much in his life of his And he don't need money And don't need a missus Just a place to go Drink his hobo blues Just a place to go And drink his hobo blues Just a place to go And drink his hobo blues So who are some of the musicians and songwriters that uh, you drew inspiration from as you started uh, on this musical journey? Oh, when I started out, Tyler Childers was kind of the first one that came to mind. Um, and again, that was kind of in the, the bluegrass days when I started playing. But uh, for me, my biggest inspiration is Coulter Wall. Um, he's, like I was kind of talking about earlier, he kind of opened up the world to of songwriting about, you know, concepts like the prairie and you know, the old, old Western days with, you know, cowboys rope and Bronx and stuff like that. And, um, it just, it really, it really spoke to me. And I don't, I mean, his music aside is one thing, but his songwriting is a completely different thing. And, um, I've always been drawn to kind of, I guess, days of old, you know, and, and that's something that he talks a lot about in his lyrics and, um, you know, a lot of his stories are darker and that's kind of something that I've always kind of gravitated towards more darker stories and stories in general, but darker stories, I feel like for some weird reason are easier to write for me. And, um, I don't know, he does it so well. And he is, I feel like with a lot of inspirational artists kind of paved the way for other, you know, um, musical inspirations. So like he opened the door to Towns Van Zant, you know, to Blaze Foley, to Steve Earle, just these different artists that he had a, a very strong fascination towards, or still does. I mean, he's only actually, Coulter Wall is, I believe, 23. So he's younger than I am. And it's kind of <laughs> weird to, to look up to someone like that. But um, yeah, you know, like Towns Van Zandt, like I said, uh, Tyler Childers, um, a lot of the, you know, bluegrass greats. Um, yeah, I don't know. Th those are those are some of the big, the biggest ones. Oh, you mentioned, you mentioned darker stories. And I, I, I know from my own experience and, and from a few other, people I've talked to that, uh, it's a lot harder to write a happy song than it is. To yeah. Write yeah. A sad song uh, because they, they tend to be, uh, 
more universal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you did you grow up listening to some of these artists or when or no I, I've I've had a weird musical upbringing. I mean I I started off listening to my dad's kind of like old punk records and old <laughs> Creedence records and um, Metallica records. You know just just an assortment of different things, whatever I could find that had labels on it. Um, and then it wasn't until it wasn't until middle school I think like I went through a very a very strong and misguided uh, kind of Irish Renaissance phase where I was, I thought, I felt like I was Irish. I thought I was Irish. Uh, and I went through like Dropkick Murphy's, Flogging Molly, all those, you know, great Irish punk bands. And then wrote a lot of Irish po- or like kind of ballad poetry during those times and found out after an ancestry test that I wasn't Irish at all. <laughs> so it was kind of deflating. Um, but you know, at the same time, like I, you know, I had that journey and then throughout high school was all classic rock, everything, Zeppelin, Hendrix, Jethro Tull. Um, so I, and then through that was a lot of that was blues. Cause I would discover right. bands like cream who would, you would back backlog to, you know, guys like Robert Johnson and then, right. you know, just really getting into the roots of a genre. And that's kind of the, that's my favorite thing about, I guess, music or genres in general is that you can, you can trace it back so far and just when you think you have every song, you know, cataloged or whatever, like I, I felt like at the time I had every Hendrix song cataloged, and then, then you they they release some posthumous album that's, you know, all these tracks that you never even heard of, and it's it's really cool, especially with, with music that's old, um, and that's kind of the journey the journey I'm on right now is, finding songs that are steeped in tradition, and I never really listened to, I never when I went through a bluegrass phase, which was kind of maybe four or five years ago, which still is strong now, but definitely is what, what kicked it off. Um, you know, I wasn't listening to the greats at the time. I was kind of just skimming the surface of what mm-hmm. was, what was current. And, uh, now I'm kind of finding myself digging back through, through those archives and listening, um, you know, to a lot of Bill Monroe and a lot of Doc Watts and just kind of, you know, obviously the pinnacles of the, of that genre. But from there, it's kind of fun to find, you know, other artists like Doc Boggs or whatever that are playing these songs that you're listening to contemporary musicians play. And, um, I don't know, it's, it's a really, it's a very exciting journey to kind of trace the roots of these songs that I, I love old American traditionals and I'm trying to learn as many as possible. And it's fun to kind of listen to all the different variations of them throughout history. So as as you've been, uh, on this sort of listening and discovery journey, um, how have you found uh, it affecting or influencing your own songwriting? Um, it kind of goes back to what Coulter Wall did for me. Like it's making me feel very comfortable in a certain genre. And, um, you know, whereas before, like I, I didn't really start, I wasn't, I didn't start singing until about two years ago. So before then I really wasn't writing songs. Um, and uh, maybe, as probably about it's been about a year and a half now since I've started like writing my first couple songs and then it was kind of like I feel like I feel like the themes were kind of ambiguous or at least they were they were important to me sentimentally but they weren't they didn't really have a place in any kind of genre there you know they might be a little folksy or you know a little um lend themselves a little bit to bluegrass but they didn't really have a, a, a genre now I feel like listening to you know, those different artists now and really digging deep into, um, those genres. It's, 
I don't know, it makes me feel like there's a home, like there's a place for songs about wagon trains and miners and, um, cause I mean, that's, I mean, maybe that's part of it too, is I, I just haven't, it's hard enough to find artists that play songs about those. So maybe itself is kind of, it's its own genre. Um, but I don't know. I just, those are things, those are like themes, I guess, that I really like to read about and listen to and write about. And it's just, it's kind of cool that there are other musicians that kind of talk about those in different ways. So you mentioned miners and you mentioned, uh, wagons, uh, as a couple of themes that have shown up in, in some of your songs. And that actually got to a question I was going to ask in a little bit, but are there other themes that you find yourself drawn to when you write? Um, I mean, like I said, sadness and darkness and all those, you know, are, are pretty big themes. Um, and I mean, I, it's, I've always been fascinated with times that aren't now, you know, like even in, in college, um, when I was studying writing in, in English, like I was always drawn to literature that was based, you know, 1920s and earlier. And I feel like that's kind of strangely still true with songwriting, um, albeit it's a totally different vehicle. But, um, you know, I feel like now, like I can, it was hard to, I feel like, write fiction or write s short stories or novels uh, back in those days when we're trying to capture a different time. But now with songs, I feel like there's just something about it where the sound that I'm creating, I guess, can kind of lend itself more to those themes in that time. Interesting. It's it sort of uh, seems to parallel a little bit my own journey because I always wanted to be a writer, mm -hmm. <laughs> but never had the discipline to sit down and write right, <laughs> a yeah. long form. And I just sort of gravitated into the lyrics portion of it. Um, how does a song usually start out for you or come to you when, when you do write? Um, so I usually, I'm, I'll... I'll usually have a glass of whiskey and then I'll kind of start strumming some, uh, strumming some melodies and just kind of, you know, I don't, I might, I'll be honest, like my, my guitar range is very, very limited. And I try to come up with a different melody based on the, you know, the eight or nine chords that I know. And, um, so far I'm, I haven't run into a, a, <laughs> a corner yet, but, uh, you know, I just, I'll, I'll be plucking something or I'll maybe hear something, um, on a record that sounds kind of cool and f try to figure out what's going on in that song. And then all of a sudden kind of hear this other side to it and kind of mess around with that. But mostly, um, I would say 10 times out of 10, I would come up with a melody first and just kind of record it or have a, you know, a backlog. And then I'll do this really weird thing where I'll just kind of hum these, they're like non words. They're right. just like, it just mumbles. And, um, sometimes it's kind of weird. Sometimes I'll come up with like, I'll, I'll be mumbling and then all of a sudden there'll be like a, something that sounds like a word or something that sounds like, you know, a concept and it works for that song. You know, like if I get to the chorus or whatever and it, it's like, Oh wow. Okay. That, that had, that sounded like the word bourbon or, you know, or coal miner. Like that, that sounds cool. I'm going to go with that. And then it kind of, it builds off of that. But, um, a lot of times there's just, it's, it just kind of comes organically and there's uh, which sounds very, I mean, that sounds very, I'm not trying to simple it down, but uh, it just, you know, like there'll be a, a concept like, you know, one of the songs um, I'm going to play today is about a, uh, a miner who goes out west in the year 1849. And it's about, you know, I feel like what so many thousands of 
people did back then of, you know, going out looking for gold and not finding a single thing or dying along the way or whatever. And Mm -hmm. there's just, you know, little, little things like that, that don't necessarily start as stories, but they kind of end as stories. It's interesting. You were talking about the, the humming, the sort of nonsensical word, non-words. Good good way to put it. Uh, It, it, it it almost sounds like this, that your songwriting process, at least at times sort of is the verbal equivalent to how uh, page layout goes, where where they'll they'll block out the sections and they'll have mm-hmm. all these words that aren't words that they look like Latin or whatever, right. but they're not. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's got that same sort of. It sounds like Latin. I tell you, when I'm singing it, it just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make sense until it finally does, and then you feel like you have a song. But I've tried. I mean, I. I know I have a couple of friends that will write songs and, you know, they, they'll talk about like how they'll put a song down for a couple of days or a couple, or they'll come back to it, you know, a week later or whatever, or even months later and try to finish it up. And I just, I struggle so much with that. I, I feel like I, if I get on a roll, I'll drop whatever I'm doing. Like, I don't care if I have, you know, if I told myself I was going to go for a hike or a run that evening, if I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm feeling like the song is, you know, it's growing, that I'm going to drop whatever I'm doing and get it done. Cause if I, if I do put it down, it's not going to get done and it'll just kind of lose it, lose its steam. I know that feeling all too too well. (laughs) I have, I have notebooks full of pieces that I Mm -hmm. keep saying I will go back and revisit and do something with. And I never do because it, it, it is kind of that organic process where it, it comes and it comes and it's done, or it comes and then it doesn't come, and right. it's it's yeah. nothing. Well, and sometimes it's dead for. I mean, gosh, you struggle trying to come up with songs for a couple months, and then all of a sudden you crank out like five, and it's just you can't mm-hmm. really control it. But do you, which kind of leads to the, the question I was about to ask: Do you find that you have to be in a particular frame uh, of mind to write? Um, most times, yes. I mean, it's. Um, you know, I always like to, I always like to be somewhere that's, um, it, I mean, it sounds cliche, but I like to be somewhere that's inspiring. And I feel like there's, I've written a lot, I've written more songs up in the mountains or like sitting on like a tree stump, um, up in the, like up above the ridgeline, um, that have just kind of come, I guess, about come from thinking about different places where I am, you know, and thinking about like what could have possibly happened here a hundred or 150 years ago. And, um, I've written probably lately more songs in my living room just because it's winter time and I haven't right. had a whole lot of chance to get out yet. But um, I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not somebody that needs to be, you know, like under the influence of anything to get songs done or whatever. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely like to have some some source of inspiration before going into it. Well, on that note, I, I'm thinking uh, this is uh, this is a good spot to. To hear another song, if you want to Absolutely. tell us what we're going to hear. Yeah, I would like to play uh, the song I was just talking about, Will I Ever See My Son Again. Um, this will be one that I've actually recorded this one on a, it's on a single, um, or I guess technically a double. But um, yeah, it's about a it's about a guy who goes out west in the year 1849 look, looking for gold in the California gold fields. And it's about leaving his wife and his son uh, back on the East Coast and wondering if he'll ever get to see them again um kind of a kind of a dreary one but i feel like that's pretty thematic with a lot of my music so all right well will i ever see my son again
shovel for a dime in the fall of 49 Along with every other fool from the haze Left my wife all alone and my son back home I put 2,300 miles in his face Will I ever see my son Guide my bloody hands as I sift through the sand, blow out the sun burning over me. At night I watch the stars and I count up all my scars till I lose track of the whiskey makes me sleep. Will I ever see my son again? Shot for stretching some man's life. Another man was tied to a tree. I just came to myself, trying not to raise no hell. So one day I can take the train back east. Will I ever see my son again? So before uh, the last song, you mentioned that it was one of, of a couple that you've recorded and put out on a, 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 du- a double, I think. Yeah. Right the, and, uh, <laughs> and if I remember right, the, the longer term plan is to incorporate those two songs into a, a full length album. That's correct. Uh, do you have a rough timetable for that? And and the second part of the question would be, how do you how do you see the role of, of a full length album in in 
the age we're in where it's becoming increasingly digital with streaming and yeah i mean so to answer the first question i had you know i think that um in terms of time frame i i'm i'm scheduled to record my my tracks at the end of this month and i when i was going into recording the singles um which is right on home and will i ever see my son again um when i was going into recording those i i had no idea what to expect really with like output and like i I've recorded probably a hundred really, really rough, like holding a phone up to a guitar and then tweaking it around in like, you know, garage band kind of things as I was growing up, but mm. never like actually sat down in a studio and heard, heard what your voice sounds like. I feel like behind, you know, when it's removed from that curtain of static or, um, you know, just bad, just pure bad quality. Like when it's something that's high quality, it's kind of unnerving and, like I said, I have only been singing for a year and a half, two years now, and it's still something that's, you know, it's it's kind of daunting and something that I'm, I'm I'm starting to trust a lot more. Um, but it's still weird to hear what you sound like, and I mean, people get yes. weirded out by what they sound like on the phone or the uh-huh. microphones all the time. So I feel like I'm not alone. But it's it's something that you know when you hear it recorded and you hear something that you've created, it's 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 cool but at the same time it's like man that's 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 scary um but with my hopes for the album there's gonna i'm hoping to be seven songs they're all originals um you know when i when i recorded the the first two as as singles i I liked how they turned out i just felt like there was just some little bit of like some element of uh that was missing from them and i'm hoping that i have three of my closest friends gonna help out with this next album and kind of incorporate some of their sound um on it as well and um we've kind of started i i've i'm still doing a lot of solo gigs but um started more so doing kind of like full band gigs and it's kind of fun it's 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 a lot more um forgiving i feel like mm-hmm. and it adds it adds that that element um to the songs that i'm writing um that i'm that i'm looking for in an album so i'm kind of excited i'm gonna do do my part um, by the end of May and then hopefully by the end of June have their parts done and just kind of see, I mean, it's at the end of the day, like I'm just doing it for fun and I'm doing it cause it's, you know, it's, it's an outlet and that's something that I definitely need. So, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And it's, it's, it's almost as if you knew what questions I was going to ask because <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask about the, uh, the fact that in addition to the solo work, you're you're now also part of a band, at least from time to time, and, and calling yourselves the Palomino Pack Rafts. That's I right. <laughs> so it's a mouthful. How did how did that project come about, and and where does that name come from? Oh man, well, uh, so way back when, when I first got into playing and singing, I like I said, I've only been singing two years, and before that, I was maybe only playing like playing guitar maybe three or four years um, before that, like actually serious. And um, I, I met up with a, a friend of a friend, her name is Christy, and we started, uh, we just kind of had similar interest in music. We loved like, you know, Gillian Welch and loved the darker kind of blues, but also darker bluegrass numbers, a lot of steel drivers, um, just music that I had never really heard. And uh, like, again, like Tyler Childers kind of opened that door into I guess Americana bluegrass, but she was the person that um, 
we just kind of clicked and we, we really, we really liked each other's style of playing. And for, for that brief year, it was more just me playing guitar kind of behind her and she would sing and play guitar mm -hmm. as well. And then it just got, it kind of became, um, this weird, I don't know, we, we were trying to form a band back then. This was probably three years ago. And, uh, at the time we were, we were, her and I, if we still play, you know, together total or together, um, the two of us, we we go by the Aldape boot stompers and that's a, that's in reference to Aldape summit where we, we first started playing music and that's still my, my second home in the foothills. I'll go up there once a week when it's not snow covered and just go up there, have a fire, have a, you know, have bring a bottle of whiskey or bring the guitar and or banjo or whatever, and just kind of just escape. Um, and that's, you know, it was a place that, uh, her and I would start going, we'd start bringing a couple friends, you know, and just, it was very, uh, very kumbaya, you know, we'd sit around the campfire and just throw back songs. And, um, so her and I would just, you know, we would, we would just kind of expand our library a little bit and be like, Hey, have you heard this song lately? And, or, you know, or whatever, you should learn this song. And, uh, I remember there was one night where I sang a Tyler Childers song and that was the first time I'd ever kind of like broken that shell of comfort. And, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was, you know, scary as hell, but it was, you know, it was, it was fun because you know people were like oh wow like you, you can sing and i'm like yeah no i can't <laughs> but um you know it was it was just cool because like i was like oh now i can like actually you know feel like a little bit like i can kind of start writing some stuff after that and her and i have always we've st we're still playing together and then we you know her and i were trying we've been playing uh tandem gigs uh kind of off and on for the last like year it seems i think our first gig ever uh was an open mic, uh, bluegrass open mic. And then after that, it jumped to like, no, you guys are going to play a 900 person wine fest in downtown Boise. And we're like, oh crap. So <laughs> it, 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 we, it was very, um, there wasn't a whole lot of room to be nervous after that. It was just kind of like you're, you're being thrown to the, the sharks and you know, that's, that's how it's going to go. So we, we kept, we kept it going. We would, you know, where we still do, like I say, and we, you know, keep it, keep meeting up when we can and, and writing stuff together. And then we, we met up with a guy named Mark who puts on the Idaho bluegrass association and Mark's a, an amazing bass player. And, um, which was kind of what we were looking for. We had, we had, I had put out ads on Craigslist for a bass player and a fiddle player. And I was looking for a fiddle player just because I, I absolutely love the sound of a fiddle. And I feel like that's something that like, I, I get chills when I, if I'm either playing with it or if I'm, um, you know, listening to it on a record. And those were the two instruments I felt like we were really just, we really needed just to kind of round out our sound. And, uh, we found Mark, Mark was totally, uh, open to, to play bass for us and with us. And, you know, and a lot of the stuff we started kind of playing around with were originals that I had written and we were just, cause since Christy and I knew them, we were just like, yeah, let's just try this. And he picked them up lickety split. And then my other buddy, uh, Ethan, um, He's, he hadn't played, he hadn't played fiddle in like 12 years. He'd grown up playing violin and then just kind of dropped it like most kids do with, with instruments and said he had picked it up like six times. And it was just like one drunken camp camping conversation we had one night where he was like, Oh yeah, by the way, I play fiddle. And I'm like, what? So you've been holding out on me this whole time. And, uh, so yeah, he, one, one afternoon we broke out the fiddle and I brought the guitar and it was just like, God, this is, this is exactly what, you know, the sound that I've, you know, wanted, you know? And I like, I'm, I don't like, I know that I have, I'm, it's still a lot, it's still very rough on my part. And, um, but it's still, it's cool to hear different elements of music coming together. And, 
Um, so yeah, ever since we've just, we've kind of, we've had like probably four or five times where we've actually played all together and three of those were shows. So it's, it's something that we're kind of just going as it comes. And, uh, in terms of the name, we, I'm trying to think where we, where we were, we were on the green belt, I believe. And, uh, we, we like to, actually, we just had a little, we call them log jams and, uh, we just had a little log jam last night down, uh, just down by the, the band shell in Julia Davis park. And, um, we like to go down there and there's like a little kind of gazebo without the roof kind of thing, little platform. And we like to go down there and just kind of, I mean, it's almost just like a, a living room jam, but people are going by on bikes and scooters mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's, it's like, you know, you're out in amazing weather and people sometimes stop and want to listen. So it just kind of became a thing, um, that we've, we've been doing for like the last year and finally kind of, it started incorporating, you know, Mark or, and on bass and Ethan on fiddle down there. And, yeah, it was just one day. It was actually the four of us. It was the first time we'd ever, the first day we had met, actually, I'd introduced everybody to kind of glue them all together. And, uh, man, I, f- I forget how it went, but we were, Ethan and uh, Christy are big time river rafters. And we were kind of joking about how, like, you know, um, the next time that they go river rafting, we'll have to do, like, we'll have to bring all our gear and stuff together. <laughs> and um, Mark has this big old beautiful upright base. And it's kind of like this um, kind of like suede, almost like a very light, uh, tan color. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. It's, I don't know what wood it is, but it's beautiful. And it's, it, we were kind of joking, like, man, I think it's, it's massive. And it, it kind of looked like a horse, you know? And we're like, man, like, yeah, if Mark, if you ever come with us, you'll just have to, we'll just tie you off to the raft and you'll have to ride down on that thing. And Ethan made some crack about a, a Palomino or whatever. And we're like, man, there we go. The Palomino pack rafts. And, uh, it was just kind of like an inside joke just to kind of as a placeholder. And I don't know. I mean, it might not stick, but for right now, for the, <laughs> the limited gigs we have coming up, it's, it's working. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of fun and kind of lends itself to our not so serious nature of <laughs> playing the music we want to play. Well, um, music itself, the, the, at least the business side does seem to be kind of serious for, for a lot of people in a difficult area for people. Um, from my own experience, it seems like one of the hardest things to to master and get good at is the self promoting, the the marketing. What yeah. uh, what kinds of things are are you doing to to self promote and market? Oh man, well, um, I don't have Instagram, and that's my own that's my own doing. Um, but Facebook's my only my only real platform, and you know, I try to I try to you know like I try to gauge what, um, people are interested in, I guess, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of a cynic when it comes to people's interest in other people's lives. Um, I feel like people just don't really care. And, um, whether that's true or not, I just, you know, like I try to keep what I do to a minimum, but also still trying to, you know, promote yourself. Cause mm-hmm. I, you know, at the end of the day, you do want people to be at your right. shows and right. you do want people to, to listen to your music. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's always, it's always really humbling when someone, you know, comes up to you after a show or whatever that you've never met. And they're like, man, I love your music and stuff. Or they con they reach out to you on Facebook and say the same thing. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I try to, I'm like my job by trade. One of the aspects of it is, you know, graphic design. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've always had a, a knack for just doing like fo- photo stuff and manipulation stuff, graphic stuff. Um, and that's something that I feel like I can kind of, 
tie into the promotion aspect of it. But, mm. you know, at the end of the day, if, if people don't aren't digging the type of music or if I'm not in the right kind of place, um, you know, geographically for people who like that kind of music, then, you know, it's it's kind of out of my control. I'm not about to go move to Austin or Nashville or anything like that right. to try to become discovered or anything. But I think, you know, it's it's a lot of the music I am trying to write is about Boise and is about Idaho. And the more I write, um, you know, the more that that comes out. And I think people, I mean, from what I've, from what people have told me, like, you know, they like songs about Idaho and they like that it's because, I mean, I don't know. I've, I haven't heard a whole lot of music about the state of Idaho. When you do, right. it's, it's, it gives you chills, you know, it, it's cool to listen to and, and hear what Idaho means to other people, you know, and whether you can capture it in a ballad or, you know, uh, kind of a folksy number, or even just, a you know, a little ode to, to Idaho. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. I think it's cool. Now you mentioned that you've, you've been doing this for maybe a couple of years now altogether. But it seems like you've seen a lot more of the music scene outside of Boise than a, than a number of other artists who have been at it longer. What are your impressions about uh, what you've seen in, in terms of the music scene at, that Boise and, and the surrounding area has to offer? I, I mean, I, I really think it's growing. Um, and... I don't know if that's just overall population that's growing in, in the valley or if it's just the music scene is becoming kind of its own thing. But one of the things that I was really fascinated by with bluegrass was that different pockets of the country have different forms of it, I feel like. And like, you know, there's like there's like Asheville bluegrass and then there's like traditional bluegrass kind of throughout, you know, Appalachia. But then you go to places like Colorado where everything is, it's a lot more, it's almost like hippie bluegrass, which I, mm. I really dig. And, you know, it's, it's, it's still bluegrass at its core, but it's, it's, I think feel like le it's less serious. It's less fundamental. Um, and then you go places like Oregon or Washington and, or, you know, or listen to m musicians from those areas. And it's, it's, again, it's different, you know, a lot of songs about, about those mountain ranges or about those forests and rivers and stuff. And, um, you know, it, it kind of, Idaho is kind of, I feel like Idaho is just kind of its own little anomaly anyway with, within the Pacific Northwest. And, um, you know, I think it is kind of finding its, its, its way within just the Americana, Americana umbrella. And I mean, I can't speak for <laughs> Idaho or the, you know, the Pacific Northwest, but I like that it has, it's it's very you know rich in terms of its history and mm -hmm. in terms of its geography. I mean that's like like I said I like to really write about the deserts and the forests and the woods and it has everything. And it's cool that I think a lot of musicians are kind of capturing that um, at least as far as what I've what I've listened to. Um, but I don't know. And in terms of like festivals and things like Tree Fort or um, even just live bands, like I remember when I first started when I first moved up here and was going to school, like there weren't a whole, it didn't seem like there were a whole lot of bigger musicians, like big time artists coming through. And now it's like, I mean, I look forward to, I follow so many different like concert trackers just to see who's coming through. Mm -hmm. Cause it's exciting. You'll see a band that you never would have thought would have come through. Um, but I guess on the flip side of that, it's, it's kind of, I've heard stories of like the black keys played here like 10 years ago before they blew up. And, 
it is kind of um, exciting to know that you could see a really cool band here before they make it big. And that's how I feel with, with Coulter Wall and, and Tyler Childers. Um, both, I've seen them here live and seeing like seeing and meeting Coulter Wall at like the record exchange is like one of the highlights of my life. And, you know, they're just artists that, you know, if they, if they, if they catch the right train, they're not going to, they're going to be too big for that kind of thing. And they, they won't, there won't be that intimacy of, you know, going up and getting an autograph or getting a record signed or, you know, asking them about their, their lives and things. Um, I think that's something that Boise is still really, really good about is it's, it's growing, but it's, um, it's still small enough where those artists can, you can still go up to those people and, you know, and not, and not feel like you're going to get tackled by a bodyguard kind of thing. Well, I think I, I'm, I'm just going to ask one last question, sort of a, I don't know, maybe uh, call it a catch-all question. <laughs> uh, we've talked about a lot of different things, but what, uh, what else, if, if there's anything that you think people should know about you in, in your music? Um, oh, man, that is a catch-all. I don't know. I, I don't want people ever to think that like I'm quitting my day job with this or that it's something that I'm... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's something that it's, it's, I'm doing it because it's something that it's, like I said, an outlet for me and whether people like it or not, like that's, you know, that's totally fine. I'm not out to, at the end of the day, I'm not out to impress people with music and I'm doing it because it's, it's something that it feels right. And it, you know, it's something that I've, I've struggled. I feel like for a long time to kind of feel like I belonged somewhere and belonged to a certain time period and with with music and with songwriting and with Idaho especially, that's a place that I've have found. And um, you know, regardless of where I'm from or regardless of you know uh, what what my music is about or what the lyrics are about, you know, at the end of the day, I just I just want you know um, to feel like I just you know accomplished something or at least ex- expressed a part of me. And I feel like that's definitely something with musicians that they or with any kind of art, you know, it's something that people struggle with because you're putting yourself out there. And that's something that I've never really shied away from, but it, at the same time, um, you know, it, it's been a struggle to figure out, okay, what, what part of me do I really want to showcase? And, you know, like I've, I feel like I've always been kind of an old soul and we've always, you know, felt like I was born in the wrong era. And, you know, now, with you know picking up a guitar and like actually developing kind of a voice albeit crunchy or whatever um you know it's it's it feels like you're you know that that part of your soul is finally being able to to kind of get out and it's it's cool when people really i guess appreciate or value what you're doing um so i don't know i'm just gonna keep sticking doing that and i mean unless i lose my my arm or my hand or something like that i'm gonna keep playing around a campfire and you know and keep writing stories and I don't know, just, that's just something that I, I know is, is, has always been a part of me. And and I just, I just, I just like the genre. Well, uh, on that note, I think maybe we can end with one last uh, campfire story then or. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, uh, I think a song about Idaho would, would be a good fit. (laughs) So so what are we going to hear? Um, so this is a song that I wrote called Idaho mountain song. And, uh, this is another one that'll be on, on the record. Um, but I've, I've, I've struggled, I feel like for a while to kind of convey how I feel about where I live and not just the treasure Valley, but just the state and, you know, the history of it and just the, the appreciation for, 
what Idaho means to me, and this is a song about that. Okay. So we'll close out with Idaho Mountain Song, and, and thank you for, uh, yeah, no, for sitting down with me. Thank you so much, Well, I appreciate it.
missing your planes too long Sweet Ponderosa Resting them snowy mountain tops And I sing this hot old mountain song And I sing this hot old mountain song My thanks to Connor J. Lease. You'll find links to Connor's Facebook page and his music at our webpage, measured-voices.blogspot.com. We love it when you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Measured Voices. In episode 34, I sit down with guitar instrumentalist extraordinaire Wayne White. Until then, I'm Walt Huntsman, and this has been Measured Voices. Measured Voices.